This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 117, with Thor Conklin. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I have a great show for you and in today's show we're going to look at successful strategies of peak performers and the ultimate success map as a blueprint for your success. My guest today is Thor Conklin. Thor Conklin is a business owner and consultant as well as a content-driven podcaster. 2016 marks his 16th year as an entrepreneur. The first company Thor created was a global risk management consulting firm that served the private equity community. His top 15 clients had a combined revenue of 2.7 billion US dollars and operated in over 100 countries worldwide. His background in risk management served him well when he lost a third of his team in the World Trade Center attacks on 9-11. Since that time, he has started bought and sold several million dollar businesses, making him a sought after cross industrial resource for entrepreneurs and executives in all stages of business. Thor has a talent for slicing through the noise of everyday distractions and bringing his audience intellectual commodities like his ultimate success map, a simplistic, easy to follow guide for individuals who need to break through to the next level of achievement and get the absolute most, not just from their business, but from their lives. Thor is gritty, experienced, and accessible as he brings to bear what holds people back from realizing their full potential. Through his latest venture, Peak Performance Nation, he teaches the tools, tips, tricks, and strategies necessary to be a peak performer. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts by tweeting me on Twitter at MCLobsher or by emailing me at info at CashflowNinja.com. Please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry and International Coffee Farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can grab a free audio book download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audio book download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Well, Thor, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Can you share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? Uh, yeah, well, I guess it starts with uh, not being a stellar 
student. I kind of went through high school thinking that, uh, you know, I just had to kind of get through. And by the time I got done with high school, it was like, uh oh, now I've got to get a job. <laughs> and uh, it's like I went to my parents and said, OK, I like to go to college. They're like, uh, well, uh, we didn't really think you were going to go to college. So I said, OK. So I actually applied to insurance school and I didn't get in. You know, you really messed up in high school when you can't get into insurance school. And uh, I said, OK, but I really want to get here. How do I get in? So they said, look, you got to go to uh, community college, take a few courses, come back. So I showed back up in six months with my transcripts. I said, I'm back. They're like, wow, we're really surprised that you came back. I said, you told me what I needed to do to get in. This is where I want to go to school. I want to create a job in insurance. And that's what I did. And that eventually led to me starting my first company, which was private equity risk consultants. I had a background in, obviously, insurance at that point, got my degree, and I was helping private equity firms as they enter and exit deals. And one of the largest private equity companies in the world, quite frankly, came to me and said, would you consider starting a company and overseeing our portfolio companies worldwide? I said, wow, I'd love to do that. I said, okay, we're going to buy 90% of your time right up front. And uh, off I went. So I traveled the world for the next uh, several years. My clients had uh, operations in 100 different countries. They were doing $12.7 billion in revenue. And uh, it was a great experience to work with some of the top CEOs in the world and, uh, and, and build a business from you know the ground up. Day one, I was already uh, fully booked or 90% booked. During your time in that company, and you're a serial entrepreneur with a lot of successful ventures that you're part of, but something really profoundly happened in your life at that time. Can you share a little bit about what it was like losing about a third of your team in the 9-11 attacks in the World Trade Center in New York City? And what did you do after that? And how, how did you regroup? Yeah, obviously, it was a devastating day for, you know, for everyone. And, uh, from a business perspective, I lost, one, I lost one of my best friends uh, that day as well. We were on the 105th floor of a World Trade Center uh, in Tower 2. So it was the second tower that was hit. And my entire team was located on the 105th floor. And that day, some people on the team decided to leave and some decided to stay. And my best buddy, he made it down to the sky lobby. There's like a, there's a break. It used to go up to the 86th floor. And then you take another elevator to go to the next uh, floors above that. And he had gone down to 86 and then the building said all clear, go back because it really didn't want everybody on the street because world trade center number one was starting to come apart. So they wanted everybody to be safe. That's where they thought they'd be safest. So yeah, uh, when the towers went down, I was in Colorado, literally just kind of acting as tree. I was trying to figure out where people were, who made it, who didn't make it, who's still missing. And it took several days to just kind of regroup. And I lost my, the, the, literally the person that overran, you know, oversaw the entire team, the, the head of a team, and the first lieutenant. So trying to rebuild, even from paper, you know, you can imagine that so much of his stuff was on servers, but the servers were in the buildings. All the paper was in the building. And it was really months and almost years getting back up to speed uh, when you lost that. Uh, it was that devastating. It's a surreal experience, number one, for any, anybody that witnessed it. But to be that involved with it and actually losing a friend and 
team team members uh, was quite something to come come back from and uh yeah the 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 mental strength and the and the mindset that you have and that you talk about on your podcast is quite something to behold and you have spent 13 years as a senior leader for tony robbins can you share a little bit about that experience and some of the biggest lessons that you've learned uh in your time spent around the tony robbins organization well i don't know if there's enough tape on this reel for that but uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I started uh, in 1989. Actually, I worked for a guy in 1989 and in the World Trade Center. Uh, actually, we weren't in the, the Trade Center yet. I was actually, my office used to be in the Trade Center, going back to that story just uh, briefly. So I would have been there had I not started this first company. I would have been sitting in those seats. Wow. So it's all about decisions. Right. But Tony... So my boss came to me and he said, hey, I got these tapes and I want you to listen to these tapes. Said, this guy's pretty good. And he kind of sounds like you, too. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> so I listened to these tapes. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I said, I think I'm going to go to one of these uh, three-day events and go walk on fire. And I did in 1989. And then I didn't do anything with uh, Tony or the organization until 2006, 2004. And I went back did it again when I was down here in Atlanta. And then I said, you know what? There's something here and I really want to figure out what it is. And I want to really raise my game to the next level. And I went through all of his programs and then went back and applied and was accepted by him as one of his senior leaders. So for the last 13 years, I've been working with him and and traveling around the world and, and having the opportunity to work with the people that come out to those events for him. And uh, it, it's been a magical, magical ride. First of all, the level of uh, the people within the organization and the opportunity to really work one-on-one with people that are really searching for a way to take their game to the next level is really special. I mean, I, I get phone calls and emails and text just about every single month. I, 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 sometimes I haven't even seen them for 10 years and I'll get something completely out of the blue. Literally last month, someone wrote me and said, you know, you absolutely changed my life by what you did. I'm like, wow, what, what did I do? And they're like, well, you got me a glass of water at 1 a.m. I'm, kind of, I'm waiting for the, the rest of the story. But that was it. He said, your, your leadership and your, your servant uh, behavior, willing to help and be there. That just meant the world to me. No. I still get choked up talking about it now. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that is amazing. And that's why we do what we do. And, you know, the, the thing about Tony too, and we'll jump into the the blueprint because I'm big on studying individuals like him and picking up a couple of things here and there. But I almost had uh, goosebumps when I watched recently his movie on, on Netflix is I'm Not Your Guru. And somebody was asking him a question too. And he, he just looked at the person. It was all about, you know, how long did it take you? You know, and he just looks at them and he goes, I, I, I had to build this machine. <laughs> I yeah. had to build yeah. this. And I constantly say that a lot too, since it is, you know, a show that focuses on passive income and cash flow investments and, and that kind of stuff. And so I get the question a lot of what is, you know, where do I put my money? What's the biggest investments? What the, what is the best investment I can make? 
And I just, you know, I always would respond that take a look in the mirror <laughs> right there. Every single dollar that you invest in yourself for your personal growth and your mindset. I mean, I can't think of a better place for money to be spent. So that, that just that memory of him saying that, like, I built this. That just didn't happen by itself. This is years and years. What are some of the other things similar to that that you can kind of share with my listeners? You know, kind of like a blueprint of things that peak performers like Tony Robbins um, have. Well, yeah. And, you know, let me give you a little insight since I have an opportunity to, to see Tony and the organization from kind of behind the curtain. So I'll, I'll share a little bit of uh, the things behind the curtain just to kind of give you some uh, insights there that that's not I won't say they're not public record, but just kind of give you a little peek. Right. One is the man that you see on stage is exactly the man that is behind stage. And he is as authentic and caring and as involved he is a beast now he'll go the entire day he'll get done at 2 a.m and when he wraps up at 2 a.m he's spending another three hours with his team going through notes on how to make it better the next time when he comes in for one of the upw events he's writing notes and working with his creative team right before he goes on stage now he's done that event over 300 times he could do it in his sleep but he's still making changes and every single time before he steps out on stage, he activates his body. He goes through that routine. If you saw the movie where he's literally just moving and shouting and kind of getting into an incantation. Now, yeah. that man could step out on any stage and kill it, right? Right. He doesn't do anything. If he's going on TV, if you see him on TV you know, promoting his book or something, in the green room, he's activating his body. He is literally going through this very aggressive move and, and there, he has a saying or incantation that he uses to get him ready. And, it, and it, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, wait a second, if he's got to do this and it's that important for him to do this after 40 years on stage, how important is it for us mere mortals to do our routines and get ourselves activated every single time? That's so, so powerful right there. I mean, just a routine. And now your podcast is amazing too, Peak Performers, where you interview business titans and Super Bowl champions since we're on the, <laughs> the, the, the Super Bowl that everybody's going to talk about. I know, I was hoping about. Atlanta was going to be in the next one. I'm from, uh, I live in Atlanta now. It's like, ooh, I got a whole bunch of people I could interview. Oh, now yeah. I want to interview them and find out what not to do. <laughs> yeah, a heartbreak and then Tom Brady was winning his fifth Super Bowl ring, and then also on your show, relationship experts, fitness gurus, etc. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from all of these peak performers? You've mentioned the routine and activating your routine, uh, the authenticity of Tony Robbins, the, the just the fire that he brings to it. Um, he, he's quite uh, being like an energizer bunny, basically. The man's energy is incredible. But what are some of the other lessons that you've learned from these peak performers? Yeah, well, first of all, having the podcast, I didn't really realize that I was going to get so much out of it. It's amazing. I'm, I'm interviewing these incredible people, and I'm taking notes like a, you know, like a school kid. It's like I'm writing them. I'm, I'm not paying attention sometimes, and they'll end up. I was like, oh, I've got to edit this because I just got caught up in your story, and I'm making notes here of what I've got to research and what I got to do. So it's been amazing from that perspective. But let's let's talk about some of the details. One is just about everyone had a very serious and repeatable routine that they did every day. 
Most got up early, not all, but most got up early and attacked the day immediately. And they were really, really conscious of protecting their genius period, whether it be a day or the morning or the afternoon or whatever it is, they don't let things get in there. Emails, text, uh, interrupted phone calls or, or interruptions. They go into their zone and they protect it. They're very slow to say yes to things. They try to keep as much out of their schedule and really only commit to those things that drive them closer to their ultimate vision. They are really good at focusing on one or two things. Uh, we look we, as entrepreneurs, right? We always get distracted with the shiny penny, right? There's right. always an investment out there. There's always an opportunity. There's always something, but they're spending time. They, they allocate time in their calendar that this is going to be my shiny penny time. This is going to be my research time. They don't run off and go, Ooh, I think I'll go do this and then start doing it and then find out that they're watching cat videos 20 minutes later. So they're very, they have a, they have a sense of where they're going and they're very militant almost with their time and their actions. They honor their commitments to themselves and others big time. So many people get caught up in this. They made a decision about something, but a decision is only the first step. They make their commitments and they follow through, but they don't commit to everything. You know, you have to learn how to say no, and that is, and make a decision of what's, what's in your alignment, what you need to focus on, and everything that's outside of that, you, you have to say no, as hard as it is to, to do that at times, but that is something that you've just, you just have to do that. Otherwise, you, you will get distracted and pushed off that path um, of chasing your vision and following your goals. Yeah. I, I remember a story, I don't know who told it, with uh, Richard Branson. And Richard was working on some project. And a corporation wanted his time for a keynote speech or something. And it kept going back and forth. It started at a quarter million, then it went to a million, then it was up to something like four million. Then it's like, look, I'll give you five million to the charity of your choice. And finally, Richard called him back and said, "Look, I'm doing nothing except this. I, I, I'm I'm honored that you want me to come speak, and I'd love to do it at a different time. But right now, nothing, nothing is going to get me off track of what I'm doing, and this is the only, only thing I'm doing." right now. So powerful. You're listening to Thor Conklin on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. 
To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to Thor Conklin on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. Uh, let's change gears for a little bit and talk about personal income, increasing your income, and also saving some of your income. You've g- given some f- fantastic perspective um, and advice to uh, listeners and uh, audiences uh, across the world on how to save 25% of your income. Can you share some of those strategies with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just like investing, right? Compounding interest. It's about doing something consistently and just starting out and just getting the ball rolling. So, look, we all know that you've got to, first, you've got to balance your budget, make sure that you're spending less than you're you're earning, and then you've got to take a percentage of that and save it and invest it, right? No, No big news there. Right. But how do you get to the point where you can really start to save and invest some serious dollars. Well, so many of my listeners were having trouble with this. And I said, look, a few years ago, I just came up with this. I said, you know what? Why don't we just start off with 1%? That's it. Just 1%. Everybody can figure out how to save 1%. I'm sorry. It's there. Stop drinking coffee or or doing something. You've got 1%. And do 1% more every single month for 25 months. And in a little bit over two years, you're going to be at 25%. Now, there's going to come some times during that process where it's going to get a little painful, but you did it the month before. Adding another 1% is not going to kill you. You get very creative, and what you're going to find is you're going to find that revenue sources start to emerge whether you're working at an organization and you're getting uh, pay raises along the way or you're in business for yourself, you'll find that your income will start to creep up as well as you start to make this process. But you'll also find that there's money in places that you really don't need to be spending it. And it becomes almost a game. And it's easy. It's just a little bit. It's like a frog. How do you boil a frog? You put them in cold water, and you turn up the heat nice and slow. If you try to throw them in, boiling water, he just jumps right out. Right. So 1% savings plan or investing plan. It's the same with how do you eat an, an elephant, right? <laughs> yeah, one, one bite at a time. <laughs> yeah, because I think a lot of folks, when it comes to personal finance, uh, they, they feel a little bit overwhelmed, and they don't know where to start. And that's the first thing, a step of just getting your house in order, know where everything's at, and getting organized, and then putting it together in uh, a budget or a spending plan. And you talk about the two differences in the of, of between having a budget and a spending plan. Can you share a little bit about uh, that with my listeners as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, nobody I think likes a budget, right? It's like a budget. Who wants a budget? You know, I just want to spend what I want to spend. Right. So. I created a system where everything that comes in gets spent. Now, before I lose any of the listeners, let me let me define that. I create buckets, a little actually on an Excel spreadsheet, real simple, and you put in all of the bills and all the expenses that you have throughout the year, including holiday presents and birthday presents and the unexpected vet bill, and you create a budget around all of those items, including your savings, your savings bucket. And immediately when money comes into your account through, let's say, a weekly paycheck, 
a percentage gets moved into your savings account automatically, a separate account. So if you're at 1%, 1% comes out. The other 99 is spread amongst all these different buckets. And one of them is going to be an emergency fund, uh, unexpected car repair. And you might only be putting $25 a month into that, but you start to build up these buckets. And then when that unexpected bill comes in that you weren't expecting, guess what? There's money sitting there for it. Now, if you like to go out to restaurants and your restaurant budget's only $200 a month and you've already spent $180 and it's only week one, you only have $20 left out to go to a restaurant. That's it. Unless you want to take it from another category, but it always has to budget. It always has to balance. Does that make sense? I know it's a little difficult in a visual over a uh, podcast. No, no, that's no, that's fan- fantastic advice because yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you don't have a plan, you know, it's like when you show up at the airport and you ask ask them that you want to buy a ticket, and they're going to ask you, well, where would you like to go? You know, the, you got to have a plan in place uh, for your money, just as you have a plan in place and a vision for your life. So it all ties in together with a holistic uh, view and look at wealth itself. Now, I have a question for you too. There might be a lot of listeners out there that at whatever level they find themselves at in their business, in their life, in their health, and they want to get to that next level. Now, you've shared a a concept called the ultimate success map of just breaking through to that next level of achievement, whether it's in your health or your money or your investments or your business. Can you share a little bit about this concept with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. And let me say that this was a journey of mine for probably two decades because I was so frustrated seeing that sometimes I ended up with great results and sometimes not so great results. And I was like, why can't there just be something that I can follow, I can model? Going back to Tony Robbins, he's all about modeling. When he wants to do something, he finds someone who's getting excellent results and then just does what they do. So I said, who out there is getting excellent results here? And and what's a map that I can simply follow? Just make this simple. And I was literally in the Atlanta airport and I had about, I don't know, maybe three quarters of this map kind of devised. But it was in kind of different forms, and it was all spread out through Evernote in all kinds of different folders. I said, one day I'm going to figure this out. Well, I'm sitting in the airport, going somewhere. And you know one of those days you're just sitting there kind of daydreaming. And I was probably asking myself a good question, maybe even asking myself this question. And I look up, and there's a map on the little tram that runs between all the terminals. And I looked at it, and instantly I saw it. It was there. I, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times I saw it before, but this time it made sense. And, you know, they say that success is as easy as ABC. Well, there's a few more letters and then it's reversed. So if you look at it in a mirror, it'll actually be the right way. So here's what it is. The first one is the letter F, and that is getting really clear on what your vision is for your life. What do you ultimately want it to look like? And then start to break that down into the areas of life, whether it's finance, relationships, career, whatever that is, and figure out what you want in each of those areas. And this is a really important step because you don't want your career conflicting with your relationship. My first business that I started, I was all all over the world. 
at the expense of my marriage. That's not a good plan long term. I'm since divorced. Okay. So make sure that all the little buckets, all the areas of your life support that ultimate vision. Now, once we figure out what we want, what do we need? We need a plan, right? But we need an efficient and an effective plan. Letter E. Make sure whatever plan you put together is efficient and it's effective. Next one is D. You've got to make a decision. And a lot of people confuse this decision phase and the commitment phase and go, oh, well, that's, that's just one and the same. They're not two different things. But they are two different things. You, first, you make a decision, but there's so much more to, to come after that. A couple of years ago, we were going to Mexico, and I invited a bunch of friends. I'm like, who's in? They're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Great. Okay, I need credit cards. And it was like crickets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two of them said, all right, here's my credit card. The other ones had decided that they wanted to go. Two of them committed to going. I was skydiving a few years ago. And I said, you know, I was deciding that I wanted to go skydiving. I decided that I was going skydiving. I got on the plane, but I was not committed until I jumped. And at that point, I was committed. So there's a difference. Now, you made a decision. You commit it. Now we get into the letter B. And this is all about our belief systems. And this is the one that can really trip us up because we don't see a lot of the boulders, a lot of the obstacles in our way. And it's like we're running, running, running. It's like, I really want this. But somewhere in the back of your mind, your subconscious, you remember your mom telling you, money doesn't grow on trees. People that have money, they're not very nice. It's not very Christian-like to have a bunch of money. You need to give it away. And you find yourself sabotaging yourself. It's those belief systems that need to be uncovered and addressed because nothing's worse than making a lot of progress and then just jumping off a cliff in the wrong way and sabotaging it. Now, <laughs> we've gone this far, but what are we going to do? We've got to take action. We've got to take massive action. Act, act, act. And what happens when we start acting? Generally in the beginning, not a lot, right? There's a lot of activity. It feels like the, the, the tires on the car are spinning, spinning, spinning. It's like we're not going anywhere. We've got to get some traction. And then one day, you start to get some grip and you start to make some momentum. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like a hockey stick, right? Lots right. and lots of activity. And then it starts to take off. And this is where a lot of people forget because they start taking action. And then what they do is go, this doesn't work. And then they start all over again. And on the train in Atlanta, it's funny. Next time you're in Atlanta, if you ever fly through Atlanta, you'll see it. The people that are heading towards baggage claim, what they do is they get off before they get to baggage claim, thinking that they're already at baggage claim. And this terminal is called T or the terminal gate. And the T stands for time. Once you start taking massive action, you've got to allow time. You've got to do it for longer sometimes than what you think it should. You know, look, when we plant something in the field, we can't go out the next day and start ripping it up and expect our tomatoes or our asparagus or our broccoli to be ready, right? It's right. still just seeds. You have to let it grow. And uh, it's, it's funny to see the people, they get off the train, they realize that they didn't give themselves enough time, they're not going to make it a baggage claim, and they look, and there goes the train. And then, of course, baggage claim stands for going up there, looking at the carousel, grabbing your bag of whatever that goal, that outcome, that result that you were looking for. 
So it's a simple process of just following from figuring out what you want. And don't skip the figure out piece because I see so many entrepreneurs get into businesses where they actually get what they set out to get only to find out that that's not really where they want it to get to. And it's been at the cost and expense of a lot of things. You have to be really, really clear of what you want and knowing yourself and, you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and what you need to be able to get there after you're clear of what you want. Yes. The other word that I love you using over and over is execution because a million dollar idea (laughs) is not worth much without a million dollar execution. Can you share some strategies with my listeners of how to execute? Yeah. Well, first of all, follow the ultimate success map. Follow those steps that that I just talked about. But also, momentum plays such an important role. You know, momentum investing, a concept I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. What I'd like to do is eliminate emotion from the process. Also a great metaphor for investing, right? When you get emotional, that's uh, sometimes you make your worst investments. But emotion does not make a good decision maker. When we're tired, we don't make good decisions. When we're not in a great emotional state, we don't make great decisions. So I want to eliminate motivation and emotions out of the process. I want to create something that just flows and moves. So I'm all about taking that action. And then what I'm trying to do is figure out what that result that I'm getting, what does that mean? And then make sure that the beliefs are supporting us. And if you have great beliefs based on the result, what are we going to do? We're going to take more action. And as we take more and more, what I'm trying to do is constantly guide my clients from having to push this kind of rock up the hill to the point where these actions become routines. And these routines slowly start to become habits. Now, if we can turn these habits into obsessions, great, right? Right. You know, next, let's turn the obsessions into addictions. Now, people go, addictions? Wait a second. That's, That's not a good word. What if you were addicted to love? What if you were addicted to helping people? What if you were addicted to every day rising and doing your absolute best. And after addiction, it becomes simply your identity where it just, you just do it because it's who you are. You know, if I see somebody walking through the street and I see somebody that, that trips and and falls, even if I'm really busy, I'm going over there to help them get up. I don't care who it is. I don't care about the situation. I don't care how late I am doing what I'm doing. I don't have to think about that. It's just who I am. So I'm always trying to get things on execution. How do I move from motivation and leverage and and force to where it just is, where it's just who you are? And you do that by continuing the cycle of constantly creating results and using those results to support your beliefs and driving more results. I know what you mean about that momentum too. Once you get that and it just drives more and more actions because you're, you know, and the beliefs that you had is now gone. That little voice <laughs> in your, in your right. head goes away. Once you start to get gain momentum and see these actions uh, play out. Yeah. But sometimes what happens is then we become quote unquote successful. Then what do we do? Now we party. 
And then we wake up after the hangover and go, uh oh, my business isn't doing as well as it was doing because I've been partying because of all the success. It's like that merry-go-round. You know, it's hard to get moving in the beginning, but once you keep moving it, you can just stand there with just two fingers and keep that merry-go-round moving. But if you let go and turn your back for a few minutes, it starts to slow down. Now you really got to put your back back into it. Thorna, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? You know, I'm really looking around the item of commitment and understanding why we do what we do and how we can get to that momentum where it's just automatic. I'll give, I'll give you an example. The other day, I love going to the gym. It's not something difficult for me. I enjoy doing it. I have fun. And I, I, I look forward to it. I really do. It's become part of my identity. But the other day, I had been out late, client situation, had a few too many uh, glasses of wine. I don't think there were bottles of wine, but there were glasses of wine. And I forgot that I really don't drink anymore. And I did not feel great the next day. And the gym was at 6 o'clock at night. And I said, you know, do I really want to go? No. And if I don't go, no big deal. And I didn't really have any leverage on myself. I wasn't playing, you know, using that tactic. And I said, now this is, this is interesting. How can I create, even for the things that we love doing, and really just eliminate that emotion out of it? So what I've been doing is every day I create on my calendar two, uh, two lines. There's a line at 7 o'clock at night which is red, and everything below that red line on my calendar are optional things for the day. It could be anything. doesn't matter what it is. But everything before 7 p.m. that I commit to at the beginning of the day, I, I plan the day before, but I wake up that morning at 5 a.m., I look at my day, I do look at my emails before I commit to the day because maybe something comes up in my emails that I don't know. I check my emails about an hour after I've uh, been awake. I've done some other things. I've worked on my early morning success rituals. But once I hit that point in my calendar, and it's about 7.30, it's a commitment time. And I look myself in the mirror, although I don't do that physically, and say, okay, what am I going to commit to? What do I commit to eating today? What do I commit not to eating today? What activities do I commit to? What things am I going to get done on my calendar? And the things that happen between 7.30 a.m., and 7 p.m. 7 p.m. are non-negotiable. They get done, and it does. It's only a one-day commitment, or actually, in this case, it's probably a 12-hour commitment, right? And like, I can commit to anything for 12 hours. And yes, I'm committed to going to the gym, but if I wake up and I say the gym is not a commitment I'm willing to make today, I just move it outside of the 7 p.m. time frame, and then if I deal, I decide to do it. Great. But I end up every single day keeping 100% of my commitments. And the feeling is unbelievable. That's something worth implementing and looking at if you're listening to the two. Because I found that if there's a time frame, too, when I'm on, the on button is on. And these are the things that I need to get done. Even if it's an, a list of five things that I need to implement and execute during that time frame. 
um, it really, really helps me at the end of the week to hit all of my targets and my goals for that week that obviously ties into my monthly, my quarterly, and my big goal for the year. A core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? First and foremost is you need to take consistent action. It can be small action, but constant and never-ending action every single day. Do not let that momentum uh, stop. Just keep it going. Next the spending plan, going back to that concept, simple concept, make sure that you have a balanced budget and that you know where your money's going. And last is, it's extremely important to invest in the future, but you've got to first invest in yourself. And that's one of the biggest and best investments you'll ever make. Thor, how can my audience learn more about you and your company, your podcast, and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah, thank you. You can find out uh, anything that we're doing at ThorConklin.com. Uh, email is Thor at ThorConklin.com. Uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook at ThorConklin, Twitter at ThorConklin. And uh, we have a business execution summit, which you can find some more information. That's for business executives that are having trouble with execution and productivity. And uh, those are the best places to, uh, to find me. Anything from the website is, uh, is easy. Fantastic. Well, Thor, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and all of these fantastic strategies that you shared with my listeners. I had a blast. Anytime, man. Thank you. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Thor Conklin, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I could provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. 
Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 